We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Back, Roto Grinders, food for thought, the No Faith League, as the Chief calls it, in full effect. In full effect. One of our tier one teams went down. It was my only tier one team last week. But now we have to have a lengthy conversation on what the hell's happening in the NFL. It was a crazy week. The playoff picture shaping up. Best ball contest, season long championships are on the horizon. Uh, DFS still in full swing here. What's up, Will Priester? What's going on? Nothing much, man. I uh, Listen, I'm going to just not say anything right now because I have a full recap of No Faith League shenanigans that happened again this week. I'm going to let Nick say his opening statement, and then we'll, we'll, we'll dig in. I've, I've, I want to demonstrate something yet again. In our, <laughs> what, what is this, Lou? This is probably four weeks straight now of promoting our No fake league shenanigans like this is folks welcome to the party it's going to get interesting nick galeta commission film room on twitter what's going on it's great to see you again love your insight thanks for joining us and keeping us company keeping us grounded here on the food for thought show yeah i appreciate you guys inviting me to the party even if we can't have any faith in what's being served how it's going to taste anything like that i mean the one team i think everybody universally agreed was talented just got ran off the field no you, you better listen to this podcast. What did I say, Luke? I've been saying it every week. I said San Francisco could legitimately roll out here one week and just get demolished because it's the no faith league. <laughs> well, but it's true. I, I was right about a few things and wrong about a few things this week. But since you have a, a little script on deck there, run me through your thoughts on week 16. Sure, we got Saints, we got Rams. Rams roll up 30 to 22 against the Saints. Not really going to no fake lead that when I expected the Rams to win that game. Bengals Steelers, Mason Rudolph at quarterback, Bengals surging. Oh my gosh, they're probably going to get into the wild card. Nope, folks, the no fake league is back. Steelers run all over them 34 to 11. Bills Chargers, Bills sneak out of LA with the win 24 22. Uh, I know my good friend Luch has a couple of Super Bowl tickets there, but uh, it's still the no faith league. We got Jets commanders. Oh my goodness, Trevor Simeon starting. I love this spot for the Jets. Jets running up on him, almost lose the game at the end with Jacoby Brissett with his heroics yet again. 
Jets come through 30-28. Lions beat the Vikings, no surprise there. Bears beat the Texans, no surprise there. Packers squeak by the Panthers, no surprise there. Seahawks squeak by the Titans, uh, slightly a surprise. Falcons 29-10 uh, on the Colts, no surprise there. Buccaneers 30-12 over the Jaguars. Mm, mm. Mm. This team might be dead, folks. No fake league in full effect. Cowboys lose 20 to 22 in Miami. Not really a surprise. Expected Miami to win this game. Dallas has now lost, I think, two in a row, and they're going to make all these excuses. But once again, we I don't think this team is going to a Super Bowl. Bears beat the Cardinals. Not, not really a surprise there. Patriots walk off the Broncos 26 to 23. No fake league. We thought the Broncos had turned it around, and then suddenly. We've got Bailey Zappi looking like the second coming of 2000 to 2020, uh, Tom Brady. Raiders beat the Chiefs. Oh, my goodness. None other than probably the no-fade league champion of the week. Raiders, 20. Chiefs, 14. And guess what? This time it wasn't on the wide receivers. This one was on Patrick Mahomes. We'll get there in a second. Eagles run past the Giants 35-23. And then we had two tier one teams, I think, face off against each other. We felt like, hey, this might be a preview of the Super Bowl. And Brock Purdy, once again, shows why things don't aren't Purdy when he's got to face a beautiful defense like the Baltimore Ravens, 33-19-49ers, 33-19-Ravens. And now we're probably going to start hearing people talk about Lamar Jackson for MVP. Folks, that's your no faith league rundown of week 16. Lucha, you're muted, brother. Got to turn the mic on. In all fairness, it's probably more about Lucha's keyboard and mouse than his actual microphone, but that's a story for another day. No faith league, yeah. no faith keyboard. I mean, you can't, you can't trust I mean, I, I, I was... First first day using the wireless mouse. I'm an amateur, I guess, but I'm really just maybe not a fan of the uh, the Logitech setup I got here. I could not get to the mute button. It was like skipping over the mute button. So uh, like unmute, 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 and I couldn't get there. So uh, bad variance on the uh, me trying to hit the mute button, I guess. <laughs> I, say, I was going to say I thought you might need some oxygen after that uh, rundown. I think you gave Chris Berman a run for his money with a whoop, two-minute drill, whoop, whoop. I mean, that was – that was pretty key. Maybe we should have the Chiefs, uh, you know, two-minute rundown to, to start kicking off our shows because I actually really like that. Listen, but, as long as the No Faith League is here, man, the rundown, we'll keep it. Where's it going? It's not going anywhere. It's not going anywhere. San Fran and Baltimore, Nick, you said there was some DVOA magic that the Ravens put on display going across the country. And, you know, I, I, for me, I, you know, San Francisco – it's hard to to really gauge how they played, you know, Purdy making just some bad throws, you know, I mean, dangerous throws. And uh, Baltimore did what a, what a tier one team should do, you know, and capitalize on all those turnovers in the short fields. Credit to San Fran's defense in the first half, held Baltimore to a couple of field goals. I mean, you could have the best defense in the world. You, know, you give a team 35, you know, yards to go to goal and you're, you're walking away with points regardless. And in a game like this, you know, you could see uh, the the tables turn quickly, especially when you get behind and, uh, you know, you have a guy who hasn't really won games himself, being forced to throw the ball even more and put the ball in harm's way, taking nothing away from Baltimore. Uh, I'm not ready to say Baltimore's an offensive juggernaut, but, you know, they have enough pieces to, to capitalize when their opponent makes egregious errors. 
Um, and that's what they do. And, and Lamar Jackson, I mean, took care of the ball, had a really nice game. I'm sure people are peeping his passing stats and being like, oh, you know, his passing stats aren't crazy. But he has 780 some odd yards on the ground. I think that's good for 17th among any running back in the NFL. So don't forget what this guy really does with his legs. And we've seen him break down the Niners defense uh, and a couple of just backbreaking, you know, third and longs and, and things like that last night. But kudos to Baltimore. They graduated to tier one in my book. What are your thoughts on that game? Where do you gauge San Francisco after that one, Nick? I think I've eliminated tier one. There is only tier two, tier three, and below in the NFL at this point. Baltimore, I mean, Baltimore, like you said, they took care of the football last night. San Francisco turned the ball over five times. It's tough to win a football game when you lose a turnover differential by five. Uh, Lamar Jackson, like you said, I got you look at his passing stats, not incredible. 252 yards passing, a pair of touchdowns. He added another 45 yards with his legs. Like, it's not, to, it's not to take anything away from Lamar Jackson, but I think this is an interesting point now that as we're talking, Lamar Jackson is the odds-on favorite to win the MVP in the league, is Lamar Jackson isn't having what we have in the past seen to be MVP-like numbers where you see you know, guys like Brady and Peyton Manning and Mahomes with the flirting with 50 touchdown passes. And Lamar Jackson does things a little bit different, but the Baltimore Ravens are 12-3. and three. The Baltimore Ravens are on track now to have the one seed in the AFC. And I think the thing that more people need to realize is you don't need to throw the football for 350 yards a week a la Dak Prescott against bad teams to pad your MVP resume. Lamar Jackson takes care of the football better than most quarterbacks in the league. He can make a, a, th- a deep throw down the field when he needs to. He's improved a lot relative to when he came into the league, throwing the ball 20-plus 20, 20 yards down the field. He's got Zay Flowers. He's got Odell Beckham Jr. looking better than he has in recent seasons. Even without Mark Andrews, even without Keaton Mitchell this past week, the offense flourishes because Lamar Jackson is able to make plays with his legs. There was a couple times last night you watched that game and you think, oh, San Francisco's got him. And Lamar bends in some contortionist way that you don't see many other quarterbacks do, and he escapes. And sometimes that results in a simple throwaway, but that saves 10, 15 yards. Lamar was sacked twice last night. He had the one safety, the official got in his way, you know, just an odd play. But when you look at that, he avoids negative plays. And what you see is over the course of a season, he's going to rise to the top of a lot of important quarterback metrics, EPA per play. The most important metric, which is a team metric, wins. They're 12 and three. So I, Baltimore's a very good football team. Hopefully Kyle Hamilton's okay. That's a huge, huge piece of their defense. Made a couple of really nice plays last night. Uh, I don't think San Francisco is anywhere near as bad as they were on Monday. I think these two teams get another crack at each other. I think San Francisco gives them a much better game. But I think we've seen, like like Chief said, you know, Brock Purdy is not is not and uh, anyone can fall in the right matchup. So we'll see. Do you need Brock Purdy to prove it, Chief? Now, like prove it more. And his look at him. I mean, it's like a tale of two stories here. His numbers are great on paper, like no doubt about it. But if you want to schedule hunt a little bit, you can say Sam Fran. You know, they they've had some decent little matchups for Brock Purdy the last six weeks. You know, I mean, they they haven't really faced many juggernaut defenses. Um, and on the flip side, Lamar Jackson also can't control who's on his schedule. He can't control the other variables on the AFC North. He can't help that Joe Burrow went down. He can't help that the Steelers suck. He can't help that they didn't fire Matt Canada till like week 10 or whatever it was. Um, he can't help that Deshaun Watson and Nick Chubb are both not playing football. He's taking care of his business, and he just did it on the biggest stage against the best team in the league, as, as some were saying before. 
uh, week 16. And now perhaps Baltimore has that crown chief. Well, let me say this. I'm not making any excuses for the, the AFC North. Like quite frankly, the AFC North might have some of the best coaches in football. Like, like we're laughing about this, but look, I mean, look at what these coaches are doing with limited resource for everything we want to say about Matt Canada. This team is still possibly going to finish the season with a winning record or be at 500 or above with bad quarterback play half the season, bad offensive uh, coordinator uh, uh, coaching half the season. Kevin Stefanski loses two or three quarterbacks. They, they get flack off the practice squad, and the team's playing better than the other three quarterbacks. Like, you get what I'm saying? Cincinnati, yeah, I know they lost to the Steelers, but Jake Browning has been serviceable in some of these games and has kept them afloat. Like, hats off to these coaches in the AFC North for just not failing. Like, you got the Patriots winning, what, three games? But the whole AFC North, has probably won more games than any other conference combined. Is that correct? I mean, I haven't looked at it specifically, but the Ravens have won 12. The 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 Browns have won, what, 9 or 10? Are they, they 9 and – have 10. The Steelers and Bengals both have 8. They are the only division of football to have every single team above 500. So, so think about that. And, and they have to continuously play each other. And the whole division is above 500. In these coaches, like we can say what we want, the AFC North, just give them the coach of the year uh, trophy and let them all share it because whatever is going on up there right now, it's incredible. Outside of that, I'm going to come back to what you were talking about with with, uh, the 49ers. Look, man, and I'm not – you guys know I try to be fair across the board. I don't care who you are. Like – we got to see good quarterback play in the right matches. And guess what? Dak Prescott's been failing. Josh Allen was failing. Uh, Tua Tonga-Vailoa was failing. Like, think about all these good quarterbacks that just have been flopping in good matchups this year. What did we say? It's not good enough. Like, when you play the good football teams, you have to win. Like, you want to be – if you want to get your team all the way, like, you have to win. And Brock Purdy, look, he's faced the Eagles. He's faced uh, the Cowboys. But, like, this is the best defense he's faced all year. Like, hands down. No doubt about it. And, yeah, I know, like, you know, I know the Ravens had some short fields. But a lot of that was because of Brock Purdy. Now, look, fluke interceptions I get. But, like, the woman they're driving down the field and he just throws it in the triple coverage like in the end zone, like you just can't do that. Like, come on, that, they, they at least get a field goal out of that drive. That was the first interception of the game. They're driving, it's like, okay, they got a little mojo, and then he throws an interception, and guess what happens? Then he throws another one, and then guess what happens? Then he throws another one. Then he throws another – he threw four interceptions. Like, my point and is – And lost a fumble. Correct. Here's my point. You can throw some fluky interceptions. Like, Jameis Winston has been a byproduct of fluky interceptions in like feels like every game of his career, but he's also been a guy that likes to take chances down the field and creates interceptions. And so when you think about Brock Purdy and for everything they say in terms of the metrics and his size and him having to throw with anticipate, like we hear all these, all these things, right? Well, 
when the interceptions are being caused because of what he has to do to be a good quarterback, then at that point, the defense has beat him that day. Do you get what I'm saying? Like that, that that's my point. Like the defense just beat him on, on Monday night football. Like, yeah, do I think he's a bad quarterback? No. Do I think he's elite? No. Is he the GOAT? No. Is he good? Absolutely. But the defense got the better of him yesterday because of his skill set. And if that's the skill set that they're going to see in the Super Bowl, I think they're going to beat him again. Like, I, I really do. Because the Lamar Jackson skill set is one that you can't really beat. Like, like, just think about how he plays the position in terms of affecting wins and losses. Lamar Jackson could have the worst day passing in the world, and he could still beat you. Like, like, And, you know, like Nick was saying, now, and then I'm going to be quiet here, if you just watched the game last night, there were several plays – I mean, key third down, second down. You think, okay, they've got him dead to rights. And if you look at his style of play, Lamar only had one really big rush on like a third down where he looked out for He wanted to throw it. He was like, well, wait a minute. They're just giving it all. And he just took off. And weaving in and out of traffic and protecting his body and picked up like a 30-yard game. Outside of that, they thought Lamar was going to run. And then he just dumped off the guts Edwards. He'd dump off to whoever, you know, somebody in the middle of the field running just to open themselves up. And that's how they really gashed San Francisco. It wasn't really like they capitalized off the turnovers like the Zay Flowers, you know, one one uh, one play score when they just handed it to him inside the 20. But like outside of that, he just made play after play after play after play. And then you guys know how I feel about this. My last thing, our ball got back to, I think, what some of his – some of the roots were in special teams. When you're playing a team like this, what do you do, Luke? You just keep taking points. They kick four field goals yesterday. They only scored, I think, two or three times. But they kick four field goals, and look at this. They just kept opening it up. Open it. Okay, you you, you got us. We'll take three here. We'll take three there. We, oh, we'll take another three. And before you know it, the game got away from them. Like, they didn't let – they didn't drive down the field and come out empty-handed. And I think coaches are starting to outsmart themselves in the field goal game. And I, I listen, I'm, I'm as big on analytics as anyone. Like, I'm, and, I, and I know a lot of people say, well, how can you be big on analytics, but you're saying they need to kick field goals? Well, I'm saying you need to score points. And when you're driving down and you give away three points, especially when you've got a good field goal, you give away points. Well, now you're setting yourself back for the later decisions you have to make in the fourth quarter. And I think Nick understands what I'm saying. Like, if you take, if you had three opportunities for touchdowns and you didn't get it, but you took those three, now in the fourth quarter when you're down two points, you have a totally different outlook on your on your offensive coaching scheme to move down the field than having to attack here, attack there, attack because you've got to score touchdowns. You keep giving away scoring opportunities, and then suddenly you're behind the eight ball. And yeah. I, so I think Harbaugh, even though and it's even in some of those, I mean Justin Tucker keep like twenty three yard field goals. Why? He wanted to keep taking points. Just keep taking the points. We're up. No need to risk it. Keep taking points. We've got it behind. Keep the, they kick it off and, and make them march down the field and beat you. Imagine if he gave away those three field goals and they score late in the game. Now it's 19 to 24. And it's a totally different – you see what I'm – it's a totally different ball game. So that, that's my point. And, and I'll, I'll, I'll hand it up there. It's a good point, though, Chief, and it's it's something 
I think people are becoming slaves to the data in a lot of ways, and they're not inputting any new data into these feedback loop systems. Miami kicked five field goals this weekend and won 22-20. Their biggest win of the season, they, they scored one touchdown, but they kept putting themselves right. in positions to points on the board. The Chargers were another one. I know they came up just short against Buffalo, but they kept taking points. They made that game a lot more competitive than it probably could have been. Your point on Purdy, though, I think I think it's really apt and uh, about, about him facing good defenses and and the larger question about what do we get from quarterbacks on good teams when they face good defenses? Last night, Purdy played Baltimore, uh, best defense by DVOA that he's faced this season. And we saw he struggled, a bunch of turnovers. The second best defense he's faced this year by DVOA was Minnesota, which they also lost to 22 17. And Purdy did not play well in that game either. Had one touchdown, two picks. Uh, and that and team blitzes more than anybody in the league. Yep. So I think that's a fair point. The other thing that I think. I don't. I think it's sometimes condescending to refer to people as like casual NFL fans. So I don't mean this in a bad way. I just mean people that aren't in the weeds for a profession like we do this every single day and have to do it uh, for for our work requirements. Twenty eight quarterbacks this year, uh, qualified quarterbacks that have a, at least three hundred twenty five dropbacks on the season. Brock Purdy ranks twenty second out of twenty eight quarterbacks in turnover worthy play percentage, meaning just because he doesn't have a lot of interceptions doesn't mean he hasn't been making a lot of interception-worthy throws. The only quarterbacks in the league this season with more turnover-worthy plays than him, Geno Smith, who's been hurt a lot this season uh, and is not widely regarded as one of the best quarterbacks in the NFL. Trevor Lawrence, been hurt most of the season, has never really lived up to his prospect pedigree. Then you have Gardner Minshew, backup quarterback. Joshua Dobbs, pretty much a backup quarterback, been on three different teams this year. Desmond Ritter, benched twice. Mac Jones benched, I think, 17 times by the Patriots. So in that metric specifically, like that's the tier that he's in. So it's not to say that Brock Purdy's not capable. It's not to say Brock Purdy's not responsible for a, a, a significant portion of what San Francisco, San Francisco has done well this year. But he's got his flaws, especially relative to some of the, to the game's elite. Even the guys like Dak Prescott, like we're, we're crucifying Dak Prescott, we being the collective you know, pundits that talk about football, because he's had a couple of bad games against good defenses, Dak Prescott's a heck of a lot more talented than than Brock Purdy, in my opinion. Absolutely. And that's just yeah, yeah, and and that's my point. I think Nick and Luch, I know you got to get here, but that's my point. Like, if we're going to be fair, let's be fair across the board, right? right? Just, like, just keep that energy not, consistent. Yeah, yeah. Like, let's not kill Dak, and let's not kill Trevor Lawrence and all in the game. And then Brock Purdy, because he plays in the 49ers, oh, he's, he doesn't make it. No, like, listen, guys, he's not. If, if you took Brock Purdy and put him on the Steelers, the Steelers are still a 500 football team. Hear me out. If you took Dak Prescott and put him on the Steelers, the Steelers have pro- probably won 10 to 12 games <laughs> this year. Even with Matt Canada's bad quarterback, bad Matt, if Dak Prescott was on the Steelers this season, Matt Canada is probably still the offensive coordinator because Dak can make up for a lot of the play calling deficiencies, right? And so, to me, when we're talking about the quarterback position, and 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 I want to keep this in layman's terms and, and a little bit less statistical, but can you hand this guy the ball and say, "Hey, go win me the football game"? And guess what? If you if you're asking him to do that, there's probably four to five quarterbacks in the league that you can legitimately say, hey, go win me the football game. 
and Brock Purdy's not in that class. So I'm using fantasy data points. Great website. Brock Purdy when trailing three touchdowns, seven picks, 74.2 quarterback rating. And, and yeah, we saw a lot of those picks yesterday, but still, I mean, you know, just, it's just not great. Um, and they haven't trailed much. So we haven't seen a lot of trailing Brock Purdy. Uh, my second point is, and like, maybe not the best analogy, but I'm kind of getting, I'm kind of getting, uh, 2021 Titans vibes from San Fran in the sense of, uh, and yeah, I, I was there. Ryan Tannehill threw three interceptions against the Bengals, but you had great play calling with Arthur Smith, Arthur Smith, a guy who should be a coordinator somewhere, and he would be one of the top in the leagues. Now, can he be a head coach of a team? I don't know, but he was great. You know, you have AJ Brown, you have Derrick Henry a couple of years ago, you know, like 900 carries removed, right? You have a good offensive line. I mean, boy, they dropped like flies. That Titans offensive line had Ben Jones, Taylor Luan, uh, Roger Saffold, and a couple other guys. Um, Johnu Smith, you know, who was capable. Get a really good defense uh, as well up front. And, you know, we saw Tannehill, you know, Tennessee skirted to this, you know, number one AFC seed. Uh, and, you know, with Derrick Henry, who's kind of an anomaly, kind of like how Christian McCaffrey is. Like, they just... You know, there's some things numbers can't even justify with the way they can break open a game or, you know, get six extra yards here, five extra yards there, and, you know, turn a fourth and three into a first down. Um, but the quarterback play just, you know, like you stick, you stick Ryan, you stick 2021 Ryan Tannehill, who was a couple of leg injuries removed in this San Fran offense. And you kind of have the same season that Tannehill had. That was his best season of his career, right? You have the play calling, you have the entire supporting cast. And I, I even heard uh, whoever was calling the game last night said, oh, Brock Purdy's playing point guard. Like, oh, wow, he got him. the Like, that's great. That's fine when you're able to do that. And I think we can all agree. But when push comes to shove and you make a couple oopsies early in the game, can you get all the way back? I think that that's such a great point, Luch, and it goes back to what Chief said. Like, no, nobody's sitting here trying to take away Brock Purdy's accomplishments from this season. It's just to say, if you put another guy in that situation, would the 49ers have had similar, if not better success? And in games against good teams like Baltimore, against good teams like like Minnesota, when you know McCaffrey was banged up that week in Minnesota, I think Debo was out that week, if I recall correctly. Trent Williams. Trent Williams. So like, when, the, when these guys are out, do you have a quarterback that can just get the job done? And, I've, and I think about a guy like Tom Brady, who Purdy's been – compared to because of where he was selected in the draft and his start to this to his career and all that. I, I think Tom Brady's been retired for two years. We're already to a point of like forgetting just how good Tom Brady was and how he elevated teams that had a former uh college wide a former co- college quarterback as his top receiver on teams that went to the Super Bowl. He had years yeah. where he had no offensive line and he's routinely in the AFC championship game or in the Super Bowl. And now you have and winning it. Not not just getting it. it. He's and, winning it. And I'm not even necessarily like picking on Brock Purdy for this, but league wide, like everyone's ready to crown the next Tom Brady. Patrick Mahomes, this is his first year not having all, all his studs around him, not having a super healthy offensive line, not having receivers going to make him plays for him. And we're all making excuses for him. Brock Purdy loses a game and people are a little bit more quick to jump on him, but like it's it's league wide. Dak Prescott too. Like it's okay to just say, like, we don't have a bunch of elite quarterbacks right now. And I know like you guys have talked about yes. your tier list for teams. That's fine. It's like look at the MVP race, and in less than a month, we've gone from uh, Dak being the favorite. Or yeah. It was Jalen Hurts, then Dak, then Brock, 
Now we're on to Lamar Jackson. And guess what? If Miami beats Baltimore, Tua's going to be leading the charge. If Josh Allen beats Tua, is Josh Allen the MVP? Like, it's just crazy to me that we're overreacting week in and week out in this league, trying to say, well, this guy's the best. This it's okay to just say, look, like none of these guys are the real deal. They're good, they're better than some of the other guys in the league. But it's okay. That's where I think like too much of our conversation is centered on quarterbacks as pundits. And I don't know. I mean, right. like we'll see. Can, we'll see. can we I hop in on this? this? Can yeah, I hop in on this, please? Luke, I, I didn't expect the show to go here today because we haven't really talked about like a lot of games, but I think the discussion is so critical. And here here's my statement about uh what Nick is saying. Tom Brady officially screwed up the league. Here's how he did this. He has probably one of the greatest coaches of all time, whether Tom earned the Super Bowls or or Belichick earned the Super Bowls. I'm not getting into that debate. Like, I think they needed each other for what it's worth. I think the mindset that they both brought to work every day, year in a year, I think they needed each other for this to work. But here's my point. We've gotten – Tom Brady played so long and played with a level of greatness so long, and we saw him accomplish this so long, right? The league is starving for Tom Brady, but they don't have it. There isn't another Tom Brady for a long time, I would assume, right? Like, it's kind of like the league looking for Michael Jordan. And it's like we we want to say it's LeBron. But deep down inside, I think everybody, man, there isn't another Michael Jordan. It's not happening, right? People have to carve their own path. We've seen Tom Brady win so much with so little. Because of him, people think that's normal. It's not normal. And as we see, we keep watching these quarterbacks, right? Me and Luke come on here all the time and say, hey, we got these rookie quarterbacks. You need to give them some help to bring them along. But as they become veterans, you start to think, okay, now they're veterans. They can carry a team, right? They they can get it done with limited weapons. And the salary cap has screwed a lot of this up. And, you know, we can get in all the other little particulars. But the bottom line is Tom Brady has officially screwed up the league. And then I want you to go and listen to some of Tom Brady's uh, interviews that he's had since he's left about the league and how the league is solved and it's bad quarterback play because yeah this guy's hurt but if the quarterback just makes a better throw if he if he if he throws it inside rather than sending him inside to the linebacker then this this he doesn't run into this type of collision if he throws it low and sits him down rather than throwing him outside like these this is the mind of Tom Brady like like we don't think about how great his mind was for football but this is why he could get it done with nobody him and Grock. Gronk retires, comes back, he goes to Tampa Bay and suddenly win a Super Bowl. That's not luck, right? That's the greatness of Tom Brady literally taking an organization, putting it on his shoulders and saying, hey, guys, let's go out and win a Super Bowl. And it's not like they didn't lose any games that year when he won in Tampa Bay, but the greatness, the grind, everything he brings to the table. And I think we can't quantify everything that he's done. But we want to do it through these other guys. We want to do it through Mahomes. Mahomes not Tom Brady, right? And we saw this coming last year, but we ignored it because they won a Super Bowl loose. Do you remember last year? The Chiefs were in meltdown mode, and then suddenly they just kind of turned the corner. But we saw this coming. We saw this coming with Jalen Hurts. We've seen this coming with Dak. 
I've seen this for years and years with Aaron Rodgers, and everybody thinks I'm crazy because I keep saying, like, we're trying to measure script, but he's not Tom Brady. There's only one Tom Brady, and everybody else is just a really good or average quarterback or below, and that's it. But, that, and, that's and the bottom line. Tying that in with what both of you guys are saying, which I, I don't know if you have DVO numbers there, Nick, or if there's even any takeaways defensively, but not only is there really, like, okay, the, the quote-unquote elite quarterbacks all have – issues around them like and it's not to make an excuse but say what you want about Mahomes like outside of an aging Travis Kelsey he doesn't really have anybody and that's okay because I'm not comparing him to Tom Brady I'm not saying he's Tom Brady I'm just saying they have plenty of offensive issues um of course Josh Allen with whatever's going on in that organization coaching changes scapegoats firing you know uh Ken Dorsey they finally discovered their run game and outside of Stefan Diggs they don't really you know they're relying on Dalton Kincaid a rookie tight end to make plays in the pass game it's it's pretty pathetic um, although I mean, Gabe David finally off the field, which is right. Actually, I'm, I'm gonna squeeze this in while you're saying that. The closest thing we have to Tom Brady right now is Lamar Jackson, but it's a different style. Lamar's been winning with no help since he's been in the league. He's never had elite talent. He's had Mark Andrews, and that's it. They have a trio of running backs that are probably all back half of the league. Yeah, he got Zay Flowers this year, but Zay Flowers isn't Stefan Diggs. He's not Antonio, you know, he's he's not. Uh, uh, he's, he's not AJ Brown. He's not Nuke Hopkins. Like, I, so let's let's just go. Ahead. But but you get what I'm saying. Like, and he's not. And look, Lamar's not anything near Tom Brady. But I'm saying he's the one guy in my mind right now. If you say, hey, go win me a football game, he he's gonna get it done his way. But he doesn't need elite weapons to do it. That's it. I I think it's more of in, in that comparison, like in terms of burdening lack of offensive talent it, it's it's Lamar Jackson it's not so much oh he's Tom Brady but the fact that you know what he's able to you know compensate another lack for offensive firepower is incredible in that offense he's able to hide so many holes in that team like the offensive line is okay right they don't have any skill players but he's able to mask all of these holes as Tom Brady was just in different ways yes. and 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 the reasons we overreact so much as the public not so much us, but, you know, sometimes we do, sure, is maybe there's not so many elite quarterbacks, and the ones that are quote-unquote elite have, you know, plenty of surrounding issues. But, th- like, I know the the game totals have been super low. There's been weather, and, and some of these teams just have problems. But outside of San Fran and Baltimore, and, and say what you want about last night, maybe Dallas, maybe, and I don't know. Like, there aren't many elite defenses as there was, like, five, six, ten years ago either. So you have a bunch of volatile, above-average quarterbacks going up against a bunch of, like, mediocre defenses. Like, you're going to see ceiling spike weeks. So, you know, Dak has four touchdowns against Team XYZ, right? That has gaping holes in the secondary, um, you know. Or Josh, and I, and I got a 35-1 Bills ticket. I'm not slandering the Bills. They're lumped in with this gigantic group of teams, but you know, the bills manhandle Dallas, right. And throw 40 on the board or whatever. Right. But uh, I, I can't sit here and say they're an offensive juggernaut just because Dallas is good as Micah Parsons and his pass rush is, you know, they still play the same style of defense, man, single high. And sometimes you can expose that. So, you know, as I think it's um, a lack of uh, elite quarterback play and a lack of really elite defenses as well. And, uh, then you get to overreact when these random ceiling games happen. And if you play a couple of these volatile subpar defenses in a row, maybe you can string together a couple of crazy Dak Prescott games. And then, oh, suddenly you get Miami, who isn't some earth-shattering, you know, lock it down, steel curtain or Legion of Boom defense. And it's a 20-17 to 17 game and no one's scoring. Same thing for Tua, right? 
what's two was not under pressure can't throw uh just a stylistically bad matchup so you know these guys have all able to flash ceilings and sometimes they've been able to string three to four weeks in a row of ceiling games because you have these defenses you know like what the hell's wrong with the eagles well where do we begin with that one but just for time purposes you know enough about san fran and in baltimore but just you know the two other big ones miami and dallas which i kind of alluded to and you know last week chief and i talked that two tier two teams duking it out on our list because you know for many of the reasons we kind of just talked about commish you want to believe in these quarterbacks neither of them are elite they've both had ceiling games against uh you know lesser competition um and we've seen them really kind of not wow us against I don't even want to call elite defenses, but you know, more formidable defenses in the league. And uh, it was about as close of a game as anyone could ask. And, you know, plenty of offensive firepower, you know, CD lamb, Tyree kill, Jalen Waddle, Raheem Mostert, you know, Tony Pollard, whatever. Uh, There's 37 total points. And, you know, it was just kind of like an unmovable object means uh, what it was called. Meets an immovable force. I don't know, whatever that analogy is. And I don't know. That was just kind of what I expected it to be like two teams that, can contend to his first Super Bowl. There's like 12 teams that I wouldn't be shocked if they got hot and won two or three playoff games. Uh, you know, it was, it's, there's there might be a team with a, a gaping, glaring hole that ends up in the Super Bowl this season because there are so many teams with so many issues. I, I don't know who who's a complete football team. Maybe there are none in the league. But either way, I have to give Miami credit because I've crapped on them a lot on this show. And again, they can't control who's on their schedule. We've seen them mop a bunch of bad teams. Um, they mopped Denver when they were bad early in the year. You know, they mopped the Commanders. You know, they lose to the Eagles, and they had a couple other close losses to some, you know, better competition. And this was one of the games. Miami has, you know, Dallas, Buffalo, Baltimore to end the year. A lot of their teams have already played their gauntlet. But you know, I said, I want to see Miami get it done in this gauntlet three-game stretch. I don't know what anybody thinks about Dallas. I think they're one of those teams that can be in the Super Bowl if all of the cards broke, you know, their way, which I could say that about a third of the league. But all the credit in the world to Miami for, for getting that win uh, and finally, like, knocking off someone that I consider a Super Bowl, a threat to get to the Super Bowl, I should say. So uh, thoughts on Miami and Dallas, Nick? I'll throw it over to you. I'll say I wasn't surprised by the game script at all. I was on the under. It was one of my favorite looks of the week. Miami's got offensive line issues, and we've seen time and time again when Miami doesn't have a a fully intact offensive line, it disrupts the genius of Mike McDaniel, and then we're left here wondering, does Tua Tagovailoa, like, is he the guy? And I don't think it's, again, like, I don't think it's the right argument to say, well, Tua's not the guy because he only scored one touchdown against, against Dallas because they only put up 22 points against Dallas, a defense that just got lit up by the Bills. Um, I think, I think the larger issue here is, there's like there's not a lot of great team play around these quarterbacks, which again gets back to what you and Chief were saying. The the Cowboys have been pretty abysmal against the run this year. They benefited from some turnovers. We know the schedule they've played has not been that great. Miami, if you look at Miami, they have a few losses this year. Buffalo, able to get pressure on them. They lost by 28. Philly, able to get pressure on them. They lost by 14. KC, able to get pressure on them. They lost 21-14 overseas. And then that Tennessee game, they just played bad on all fronts. I know they were banged up a little bit, kind of a weird game script. Uh, they had the lead with a couple minutes to go. Uh, and then Dallas, uh, one of the better defenses they played this year, they only put up 22 points, again, the five field goals. For Miami, I think the recipe for them is clear. How, like, how are they going to win games? 
How are they going to get to the Super Bowl? And by the way, they have the, thor- the third shortest odds right now to win the Super Bowl. I'm looking at SAO's uh, price comparison tool here. They they need to play teams that don't have good offenses or they need to play defenses that are not able to get pressure on them. I think both of those things are incredibly unlikely to happen over the next month, month and a half, as we, we get ready to go into February and see who's going to be one of those last two teams standing. On the other side with Dallas, I'm with you. Like You look at it, Dak Prescott, talented. I think we can agree on that, but he's got no running game. I've been a Tony Pollard proponent for years, and he just, it just hasn't panned out. I don't know what's happened this year, if it's been offensive line issues. I know they didn't have uh, Tyron Smith this past week at 100%, but there, there's a lot of issues with Dallas, I think, defensively. Uh, the you issue know, is losing. not having Ezekiel Elliott, but story for another day. We're not having a, a Zeke comp, right? Like not having Correct. a guy. We've seen Baltimore have success with you know the tandem running backs. The Browns despite losing Nick Chubb, they have Kareem Hunt and they have Jerome Ford, two different styles of running backs. You know, even Miami's had different different guys with Mostert and with uh, with our, uh, a cane back there. So they've had success with different guys. Like these these guys, Detroit, David Montgomery and Jameer Gibbs, like the list goes on and on. These teams who run the football well, Dallas doesn't have that. Defensively, you have Micah Parsons who can wreck any game. But I think like to get back to that particular game script, like it wasn't a super sh- big shock to me. Miami's defense has played really well. Uh, you know, Jalen Ramsey's, been a huge huge impact for that defense i think having a new defensive coordinator this year you've seen those guys have just been better and better more and more comfortable in the system as the season has gone on so it wasn't a huge shock i just like i think you look at any of these teams at the top of the super bowl list the 49ers we just discussed their shortcomings extensively baltimore they're banged up especially if kyle hamilton's not there that's a huge red flag miami doesn't have a healthy offensive line philly's got no defense casey's got no offense dallas has issues on both sides of the ball the Bills have five starters who didn't play last week on the defensive side of the ball. Detroit has no defense because they spent a first-round pick on a running back. Jacksonville's not healthy on either side of the ball. The Browns are on their fifth quarterback of the season. And then we're at the Rams, who are 70-1 to to win the Super Bowl. Like, what, what, is that crazy to think that the Rams are a team that Let's has the situations? I bet them Listen, last week at 80-1. to and, That's what and I'm and saying. The Rams, and this is what we were talking about, Nick. We talked about this earlier this year. The Rams are supposed to be a bad football team this year. This team's supposed to win three, four games max. Yeah. I'm saying, I'm saying, as we start the season, remember, remember all these reports. Oh, Matt Stafford's not connecting with the young guys. The elbow yeah. is he going to make it through a season? And all yeah. they're doing is just slowly beating teams, creeping up into the conversation week after week after week. I mean, I mean, is there outside of Lamar? Is there a quarterback playing better football than Matt Stafford right now? Seriously, no. maybe Joe Flacco. That's crazy, right? It's a little crazy. <laughs> maybe it's pretty so. crazy. And they like, <laughs> you know, they discovered Kyron Williams. Like, here he is, workhorse. Like, but, but, but think on. about it. The bet, the best coaches. See, here's the thing that I think we 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 miss sometimes. The best coaches get the most out of left. That's what I'm saying. Like, I'm telling you. The, AFC North. Think about just think about what these coaches are getting out of backup quarterbacks. Cleveland's got backup running backs, backup quarterback. The only thing that's been steady there is what been Miles Garrett. Their defense has been fine. Don't get me wrong, but like think about Sean McVay. He's he's getting a lot out of this weird offensive talent. I mean, he's Cooper Cup's back, but like, yeah. but they got country Puka, everywhere. Yeah, Puka Nakua. I mean, look. Robinson is just out here just torching people the past week. I mean, you see what I'm saying? 
it, Patrick Mahomes, man, what the hell? Where is this guy? <laughs> so, so quick question for you guys on that. Then, like, continuity of leadership. Like, when we talk about coaches getting the most out of their guys, you know, say what you will about Stanford. I know they just got run off, run off the board. But if we can agree that Brock Purdy's not an elite quarterback and they have, they really have no yeah. offensive line this year, the 49ers still in contention for a one seed. The Ravens, all the injuries they've had. Harbaugh's been there forever. Same way Shanahan's yeah. been there forever. You've had uh, Mike McDaniel now in his third season at least. Mm-hmm. Uh, Andy Reid's been there for a while. The Eagles, 11-4 and four, despite all of their flaws, and I think the list is as long as anybody in football. You've had Nick Sirianni there for now for a few years. We're talking about the Rams somehow defying the expectations to win three games, and they're probably going to be in the playoffs. Sean McVay, Sean McVay's been there for a this while. Is fifth He's season for a while. This, this, this McVay's fifth season now. I believe I can I can pull it up real quick. But my but my point with that and like with you got like the question for you guys is, I especially living in Cleveland for a long time. I went through the brought in a new coach. He sucked. Oh new coach. god. Brought in a new coach. Yeah. He sucked. Now we're going to another guy. These guys who are getting the most out of bad rosters have been there for a while. Like it's like, it, and I'm just curious your guys' thoughts on the impact that has the same to have the same leadership, be it a quarterback, a, a head coach, a GM, to have those guys there year after year that you show up and you have faith, right? And and I know this is as an analytical person, I'm going to get shot by the analytics crowd on, on Twitter and social media, but I don't think football has progressed to a point where you can quantify everything the way you can in a sport like baseball. And that's why yeah. we have teams kicking five field goals and winning. And everybody's like, oh, like, I don't hear anybody from the analytics crowd this week talking about Mike McDaniel being an idiot. Correct. And see, that's the thing. I think, you know, I think sometimes it's hard for us to evolve and bring in new data because, because we want all this fresh data and we're always on to the next thing, but points are still how you win games. But back to what you were saying, uh, Nick, in terms of continuity of leadership. And if it's year seven at, from McKay, by the way. Seven, Mike. See, that's what I'm saying. Like, I knew it was at least five. He's in year seven. So, yeah, you know, see, so here's, here's what the media does. The media says, well, I think the message is getting a little stale. That may be true, right? But the foundation of the team with the leadership it means so much. Look at a team like the Panthers. Look at a team like the Giants, right? Because, I mean, Dave, well, this is what, his second season? So look mm-hmm. at a team like that. Look at a team like the Buffalo Bills with McDermott. McDermott's been there, what, four, five, six years now. And, yeah, we, yeah, we were writing them up, and they're definitely not as good today as they have been, like, in years past. But when you're around an organization. For McDermott. Seven. Seven. So, him and, so, him and, so him and McVay. Were named head coaches. They, the same they have coordinator over. They have. Uh, they've had turnover at the coordinator positions, which I think is notable. Yeah, this year, this year for sure. But but my point is, and and Dable was a part of the Bills as well. And yep. He went to to the Giants. But my, my point is, head coach, GM, those guys stay and they continue to work together. They 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 build trust. I think that builds trust with the team. And all of a sudden, you get something percolating, right? And I think I think the other thing too is. As guys have been around, especially if they've had winning seasons, they start getting a little bit more rope and a little bit more rope. And so that's why I got a team like the Steelers. We can say all we want about Mike Thomas. Who are the Steelers going to go and get that's going to be better than Mike Thomas? That's what they have to ask themselves. Who are we going to go and get that's going to be a better coach all around for our players, our locker room organization, than Mike Tomlin right now? And if you can't answer that, 
why are we moving on? I will say this. I'm not quite sure in terms of I'm not quite sure Belichick is out the door this year. I'm I'm not quite sure. If they get a better quarterback, maybe, maybe they get Belichick to give up GM or 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 play uh, uh, a personnel duties, right? If they get him to back off of that, I think he's still one of the best coaches in football. Coaches. Like, just look at how that defense played against the Broncos on, on Sunday night. I mean, they were all over the place. Well, how they played all that, season. They haven't had Matt Judon. They haven't had Christian Gonzalez all season. They've had two starting quarterbacks that, like, and guess what? You know who's responsible for that? Bill freaking Belichick. That look, the quarterbacks are bad. They don't have talent at the wide. When I say talent, I'm saying you know they don't have elite level talent at the wide receiver position. You know, uh, they, they always have tight ends. This weird collection of tight ends. But this defense is still playing at an elite level. So coaching matters. I think you know. Last thing I'm gonna close out with this. We might not feel like this guy's the best coach in the world, and I'm not saying that he is, but how about Todd Bowles just continuing to coach down there in, in Tampa Bay with Baker Mayfield at quarterback, and they're winning football games. Now, look, we play in the worst division in football. Don't get me wrong, but Baker's had to go out of the division and win, and it's looking like they're going to win the division and probably have a home playoff game. And if they get Dallas, I'm not sure, sure Dallas is going to go in there and beat this team. But my point is, like, the coaching, right? Like coaching matters in the league, and I'll I'll leave it that. Nick, super great point. What do you I, think, Justin? Well, don't forget about Pete Carroll, who's the oldest coach in the league, and you know, I think yeah. the NFL, the NFL, Drew Lock, <laughs> right, and and an ailing Geno Smith with you know he's definitely not even close to one hundred percent, but um, the NFL as a organization is just absolutely like winning, crushing it because. How many teams you know were eliminated prior to this week? Like everyone's bought in because there's so many, you know, what we talked about going hand in hand, you know, mediocre defenses, mediocre quarterbacks. Everyone's gonna be pretty competitive for the most part, right? And I had the AFC South up right here. The Titans are one of the few teams that were mathematically eliminated. They're five and ten, and we saw them beat Miami, right? We saw them have some big wins. Seven of their 10, 10 losses were one score games. I mean, like a lot of there's I don't have the numbers of one score games this year in front of me. Maybe that'll be my homework for the next show. But I'm willing to bet it's pretty damn high. Like the number of one score, one possession games we've seen this year compared to years past. And that's what you get. You get, you know, a bajillion teams at eight and seven, you know, seven and eight, and then with two weeks left when you know there's so much mediocrity, parity, and volatility around the league. This is what you get. And and it's great. That's why we love it. You know, um, we can analyze, 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 and it comes down to maybe who makes the one impact play. And you talk about the Rams, like, yeah, their defense is not what it was two or three years ago, but they still have one big impact player on that side of the ball. So you get into that one score game and Mr. Donald makes a play that turns your season around. I mean, it just kind of comes down to a couple of splash plays more than usual. It's, you know, very cliche of me, but the league is so jumbled together. There's so much parody and more than we've ever seen before, which is why we're, you know, we're sitting here with the AFC. It looks crazy. The NFC, you know, everyone's still in the hunt basically. And uh, there's a lot to unbox here. It, it's just crazy. So I'm kind of looking ahead to next week and I'm looking at some uh, opening spreads and things like that. And, you know, one of the biggest games is on Saturday, right? Two of my quote unquote tier two teams, Dallas and uh, Detroit. Okay, 
we didn't talk about any Jared Goff out here, and his team's 11-4, and four, right? Uh, Detroit, little pass rush, nothing else in that defense, like you said, Nick. Plenty of skill players on offense. Uh, ben Johnson you know, doing a great job calling plays this season. As long as, you know, sometimes they make me a little irrationally angry when they just run David Montgomery up the gut for, you know, two and a half yards, 30 times a game. But uh, for the most, and that is, you can't tell me it's not the Dan Campbell effect coming out a little bit here. Ben, we're running the ball. Got to smash him in the mouth. But but it's third and nine. We're running the ball. <laughs> hey, listen. Oh, one trap. Say, say what we want to say about Dan Campbell. <laughs> Nobody else in the last decade has been able to get this team to buy it and win more games. Totally than Dan fair. Campbell. Yeah. And you know what? In the past I, decade. and, and Maybe and the just, past 20 years outside of Jim Caldwell. I don't want to go too off. I don't want to like revert back to our previous conversation, but you know, I'm getting like Antonio Pierce vibes. Same thing. Like what a spark, what a motivator. Like I know we know Kansas city isn't a juggernaut here and you know, or anything like that, but a winning football team, still talent, you know, going out there after all the Raiders have been through the last couple of years, multiple quarterbacks, multiple disgruntled stars, you know, the John Gruden situation turnover in the organization. They just knocked off Kansas city on Christmas weekend. Like good for the Raiders. Um, but so, I don't know. Give me give me a, a first gut reaction on this one. Dallas, you know, at home, Detroit Saturday night. Open four and a half. The spread is uh, minus six, minus six and a half on points bet right now, which I really can't bet there anyway. Um, but just you know, if that gets to a touchdown, that seems like a lot. I, it, there's not much separating these teams, right? Uh, I mean, they both have flaws, and you know, I guess it's a, a big matchup thing here, but. Um, you know, we've seen Dak much like some of these other, I don't know, tier two, tier one B quarterbacks uh, have, you know, really nice games against, you know, not so great defenses, but the Lions have just been so hard to gauge. And I keep thinking about that opening Thursday night game with Detroit and Kansas City. If that wasn't just the biggest foreshadowing of Kansas City season to come, right? Like we're like, okay, we're waiting on the big play. We're waiting on them to get it together, waiting on them to get it together. Drop, 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 you know, miscommunication here, penalty there. Detroit squeaks out, right? Um, there's just such a lack of separation that, man, I, I kind of like, you know, Detroit plus six here. Got to think about it, though. But, you know, if, if Dallas's biggest strength is, you know, the pass rush, right, and making statue quarterbacks uncomfortable, Detroit's offensive line might be, you know, their big one of their biggest assets on the team. So, that's a huge game. I don't like Detroit here, but again, like what is the difference you know between these two teams? Uh Chief, what are your thoughts on this one? Uh, I think the difference in this game is Dan Campbell is going to be very aggressive at the right time. And Mike McCarthy's going to be aggressive because the analytics say be aggressive. And I think that's how it's going to cost him this game. Here's here, here's how I see this game playing out. Luke, Nick, I want you to chime in here. I actually think this game is probably high scoring. I think this is one of those 31-28 games. I think, uh, I'm saying relatively speaking, I think Detroit kicks a field goal late. I think Dallas has to punt with about four to five minutes left in this game. Let's call it three minutes, something like that. I think Dan Campbell, they push the ball down the field. I think they get to about the 45-yard line, and it's fourth and two, and it's, they're coming up on the two-minute warning, and Dallas has one timeout left. And I think Dan Campbell goes for it. And they get it, and I think that's the end of the game. 
Because Jeez. one thing we've seen from Dan Campbell, he Dan Campbell. So here's the thing about Dan Campbell, right? In terms of I think the way he processes the game, Dan Campbell Dan Campbell plays to win. He doesn't play to survive. He doesn't play like he's not going to get conservative as this game gets down the stretch. Like he's going to continue to be aggressive and on some of these fourth and you know three plays at the forty five. He's going to go for it and probably get some conversions because of the offensive skill position plays. Well, you got a guy like Jameer Gibbs that, that can come out of the backfield and catch passes and make guys miss. You got a Monroe who can just eat guys alive in the slot. And then you got, you know, these other collection of wide receivers like Khalif Raymond and Jamison Williams and Josh Reynolds and Stan Laporta and David Montgomery that while, you know, we feel like, you know, uh, uh, um, uh, the, uh, Gibbs is more explosive. David Montgomery is a necessity for their offense. There's a reason he's there to, to give them balance and keep teams off, off kilter. So the play calling is based around all these skill position guys. I think I think Detroit wins this game outright because I think Dan Campbell is going to outcoach Mike McCarthy late in the game, not the first three quarters. I'm talking about fourth quarter, six minutes left. That's when Dan Campbell is going to eat this team alive because Dallas is going to get they're going to get tight and McCarthy's going to have fake aggressiveness, right? Going for it on fourth down at the wrong time and not getting conversions. That's how I think this game goes. I can't figure out this league, and you just gave me an exact science of what's going to happen. I love that. Um, but Nick, no, you, just like I got no faith in the league. Yeah, I mean, do you have <laughs> do you have faith in either of these teams? I, I don't know. I mean, they're just stuck together in that glob of tier two teams. Who I wouldn't be shocked if either one of them were one and done or got to the NFC Championship and. Um, just you know, I'll pass to Nick. But you said David Montgomery is a necessity to this offense. Maybe to Dan Campbell. I think Jameer, and I'm not saying I agree with the Jameer Gibb pick first. You know, in the first round, fine. But he, to this offense, he's just as much of a necessity with all the motion and, and the things you can do with him and the explosiveness. Because well, outside yeah. of Amon Ross St. Brown, like he's he's the explosive guy, right? So they really are both necessary for what they want to do. Kind of like a little. Ron Dane, Tiki Barber, Thunder Lightning thing they got going on. How about that one? No, 100%. that's what I mean. Yeah, yeah. that's literally yeah. what I mean. Like they need both of these guys for this offense to be successful. If you because like we've seen uh, uh, David Montgomery not be in the offense, and Jameer Gibbs has got to get 15, 20 carries, but it's it's not the same because they can't they just can't use it as much in different facets of the game. All right, Nick, sorry. No, I, I completely agree. And I was just teasing having no faith in cheap. It's just like it's the unpredictability of the NFL, right? I mean, you can have super sharp people that, you know, put hours and hours and hours of stuff in of time and work into this. And then the game happens. and You're like, well, I didn't think that was going to happen. That went exactly the opposite as I thought. And I've been there, you know, tons of times this year. But I'm with you, Chief. Like Jameer Gibbs, he, he's a Ferrari, right? You don't drive your Ferrari in the snow. You have you, you have a different vehicle for that. And that's what David Montgomery is. The interesting thing in this game, I think, is. Detroit's been really good on the road this year. They're six and two, which is a change of pace compared to where they've been in past seasons. Because Jared Goff had historically not been as good playing away from his, you know, the comforts of his home stadium when he was in LA. You got the nice weather, Detroit. He's been inside. Uh, he's inside in Dallas this week, and I think I, I don't think that can be understated. Uh, the running backs. It's going to be interesting because Dallas has not defended the run very well at all this season. I know on the surface it looks like. They're not allowing a bunch of yards, and they're you know they're keeping teams out of the end zone for the most part. They've they've played a, a lot of really bad teams, and the good running backs they face, even the mediocre running backs they face, like James Cook, have really beat them into the ground. 
I could see Gibbs and Montgomery in tandem having a great day on the ground. They're going to need to run the football, though, because using Gibbs as a pass catcher, which they've done a lot, especially in the second half of the season, probably not going to be a winning recipe against a Dallas team that's been really good covering running backs uh, out of the backfield this season. I will say I think I think this is a really, really big get-right spot for Dallas offensively. I think Dak is going nuclear. Detroit can't defend anything at the moment. I think I think Dak and coming to get back on track. I think we're gonna have everybody talking about well, is Dak should Dak be the MVP? Should Dak be, you know, considered one of these top tier quarterbacks after this week? I don't necessarily know if the Cowboys are gonna win. I think I'm aligned with I, I know Chief wants to take D- Detroit outright. Luch, you, you you said at first glance Detroit plus six. I think I'm willing to let this line run and see if we get to plus seven. Plus seven, I think I'd for sure fire on Detroit or take them plus 14 if there's another line out there that I really you know want to take them in a teaser situation. But I don't know what Dallas has shown in any situation this year to make to make you feel comfortable taking them at you know six points, especially after the last two weeks facing Miami. They lose outright. They get absolutely blitzed by Buffalo. Uh even Philly, man. Like I think I think people look at that Philly game, they're like, well, they beat Philly at home. What's Philly's, Philly? a, Philly's a bad football team. I don't think I don't think anybody was confident enough to admit that when they were 10 and 1 and they had been outgained, I think, six straight weeks. But now, I mean, we've, we've seen them lose to Seattle. We've seen we saw them struggle against the Giants yesterday. They're not a good football team. So I think I'm willing to throw that game away for Dallas as well. And I think it's an interesting situation. It was, you know, this game reminds me a little bit of Las Vegas against KC over the weekend. The Raiders were 11 point underdogs to a team that we were only semi-confident was going to even score 11 points in the game. And now this week you got Dallas, a touchdown favorite against Detroit. And I don't think either one of these defenses is going to have much success. So if you're looking at it from that perspective, I think it's, Luch, you mentioned the one-score games happening at a high rate this year. And uh, I, I think we see another one in this spot. I think we're going to see a lot of points. I think this game's going to go right down to the wire. And, you know, which quarterback is going to have the ball in his hands last and he's going to make a play. Let me ask you this. Uh, do you believe in Detroit's offensive line holding up for Jared Goff in the passing game this week? They got to be healthy. I mean, the Detroit. We've seen we've seen the numbers when when they have their offensive line intact, they are a top five offense unequivocally. When they are missing any of those pieces, all of a sudden it falls apart, and we're sitting here wondering if Detroit's going to move on and pick a quarterback in the draft next year, or, or you know go to someone else in house. I think Jared Goff is like a lot of the quarterbacks we've talked about so far in the show. If his offensive line is healthy, if he's got St. Brown, if he's got Gibbs and Montgomery and all of his, you know, fancy tools available to him, they're going to put points up. If somebody gets hurt, which can always happen in game, you're going to see a totally different offense and you're going to see a totally different performance out of Jared Goff than what I'm expecting pregame, which is I think he's going to play really well. If if that offensive line is intact, no practice injuries, I think we should look into the over. Maybe a little food for thought group sweat. Uh, when Jared Goff is under pressure this year, 171 dropbacks, an atrocious 49.8 quarterback rating, two touchdowns, five picks. If they keep him upright, you know, different story. On the flip side, I mean, we're talking about Dak um, and Detroit's biggest strength, if any, on defense is their pass rush. Uh, he has the highest quarterback in the league, quarterback rating in the league with you know, among any quarterbacks with at least 50 dropbacks. 103 quarterback rating, eight touchdowns, two picks. Dak has been good under pressure. That's one thing, you know, you can't really take away from him. So, now, thinking about those two things and, you know, the run game advantage you think Detroit might have, which, you know, some would think, oh, maybe it'll shorten the game a little bit. I, I think we're going to see a couple explosive plays out of Dallas, right? I think we're going to see a couple of boom plays. So I, I do think it's possible that both things happen. Run game for run game play action game for golf works. But 
that offense is likely going to have to come through. So maybe we look at the at the, uh, the game total as we get closer. Yeah, and I will okay. say this. I'll add one more stat to the good nuggets that you just dropped. Jared Goff this year from a clean pocket, third best passer rating in in the entire NFL. And like you said, Dak has been elite from a clean pocket under pressure. So they're going to put up points, man. It, it, as long as they don't let Micah Parsons absolutely you know, wreck this game, I, I think both of these teams are going to be able to score at will. That line moved from 51.5 to 53.5. I feel like we're chasing already, and I hate that, though. I, I hate not getting that line on, like, you know, Monday. Maybe it's a prop day then, right? Maybe we'll find a prop that correlates with yeah. the over. Um, the other big one is Miami and Baltimore. And, you know, we spent time talking about both of these teams. I don't think any of us would be surprised here if Miami beat Baltimore after our entire, you know, hour-long conversation about the state of the league. But what's Miami's biggest key to this game, Chief, to beating Baltimore in this specific matchup? What's, what are your thoughts on this one? Huge game. I think that I, I think their biggest key is playing in Miami. That's not happening. And so as a result, I, I don't think they're about to walk into Baltimore and beat this team. I think, once again, this is also probably going to be the best defense they've faced all year. Yep. And uh, trying to contain Lamar Jackson, you know, I I don't see it. Love Jalen Ramsey. And I do think the Dolphins' defense is formidable now with Ramsey in the fold. Like I, I think they've been much better, which is why I think they were able to win that close game yesterday. Like if Ramsey's out of that football game yesterday, I think Dallas wins that game. No doubt about it. So I think Ramsey's had a significant impact on this game. But once again, I'm going to stay true to a lot of the things we've talked about on this show. If there's one guy that can get it done with limited weapons, it's Lamar Jackson. And it's because of the style of play. And I don't, I don't think the Dolphins, as explosive as, explosive as they are, I, I don't think they're walking into Baltimore uh, to get a win here. Um, you know, we're, we're going to see – we're going to see two under some pressure, not a lot, but – I just, I just think the way they play uh, football in terms of coverage and mixing in their schemes, I, I think they're going to fool them. Now, once again, you know, they got some some guys that may be out and that, that could change things. But as it stands right now, I I think the Ravens won this game. What are your thoughts, Nick? Big game in the AFC. Yeah, I'm taking I'm taking Baltimore. I think the interesting thing. If you look at the Dolphins' schedule this year, the, the most mobile quarterbacks they've played, they played Josh Allen in Week 4. They lost by 28 points. They played Patrick Mahomes in Week 9. They lost by 7. And they played uh, – they, and I, I missed they, – they played Philly in Week 7. They played Patrick Mahomes in Week 9, and Philly beat them by 14. The interesting thing is neither none of those quarterbacks had great days on the ground. Hurts had 20-something yards rushing. Allen and, and Mahomes were contained pretty well as well. But – they didn't, they didn't have a whole lot of negative plays in terms of sacks. And I think this will be an interesting thing because we haven't seen this defense fully intact with Ramsey. And I, I know, uh, you know, th- they've lost a couple of guys to IR. Javon Holland might not be 100% at this point in the season. But with Ramsey back, we haven't seen them play a truly mo- mobile quarterback and what that's looked like. And I know Dak last week, sometimes Dak gets out and run. He had 25 yards uh, and they held them to 20 points. But this is going to be their toughest test by far facing a dual-threat quarterback, and we just haven't seen it. Uh, for me, I, I'm, I'm with you, Chief. I think playing a hard rock is a huge advantage for the Dolphins, which they just, there's no way that they can f- formulate that in this spot. Yeah. We're going to look at it being a short week for Baltimore coming across country. I, I don't know how much stock you can put into that just because the league and these organizations have gotten so good about managing rest and recovery and sleep 
you know, sleep schedules and all that kind of stuff that I don't know that that's the advantage that it might have been five or 10 years ago. For me, I think if you look at this game from a pure talent perspective, Baltimore is a better team. And again, we don't know if Kyle Hamilton's going to play or not. If Kyle Hamilton's out, maybe I change my tune a little bit. But Baltimore, I think, is just so much more talented at this point. And most importantly, like you said, I know what my floor production is out of Lamar Jackson this weekend. I have no idea what a worst-case scenario looks like for Tua. And I like to think – I don't like to think, but I have to think it's closer to what we just saw from Brock Purdy than it is what you would expect from, you know, like the Tom Brady's that we've seen in the past or even the Patrick Mahomes who have a relatively high floor. I, I wouldn't even put Tua in that category. I think there's a really, really, really significant chance that, that Tua bottoms out here and and we see Baltimore maybe win a game like 17-14. I think that's a realistic game script. Uh, I totally agree. Go ahead, Chief. Well, and what I was going to say too is, you know, some of these these throws we saw from Purdy, and I'm parlaying this in the in the tour. Like some of these interceptions he had yesterday, it's because he had to get rid of the football. Now his first one, not so, much, but some of the other ones, it's like, oh, footsteps. He's here and put these. I've got to get rid of this football, and that's how a lot of the other ones were created. And so, you know, we're talking about Tua. You know, if he's got to let the football go early, he's going to be in trouble. Because, you know, in this offense, the way they've been playing right now, it's a lot of timing. And and, and some of these routes they want to get for Tyreek, these aren't – some of them, not all. These aren't, you know, three yards around the line of scrimmage. Some of these are 15 yards, 20 yards, 30 yards down the field. And if he gets fooled in coverage, he, he's going to have a long day. And so that's that's really what I'm saying with, with Baltimore. Like, that's why the defense is good to me. Like they can fool quarterbacks and almost make them do uh, have a bad decision based on scheme and coverage. Uh, you know, whereas sometimes they don't even have to blitz. They just make you make the wrong decision. And that's why this defense is so good. That is such it, a good point, Chief. So real quick, just, I just want to add like, cause Brock Purdy, it's been a huge deal all year about the offensive line that they haven't had great protection up there, but Purdy's been able to get the ball out quick. And that's how he's overcome some of the, the blitz issues that he's had in years past. But the coverage sacks or like coverage, you know, making the quarterback hold hold the football without blitzing, huge, huge last night. You forced Purdy into some bad throws. To a second quickest average time to throw this year when under pressure. But if Baltimore can make him hold the football, I agree. Yeah. I think we see some poor decision making from him. Do, do you know where Brock Purdy ranks in that list out of curiosity? Yeah. Fifth. And that's after yesterday. And you know what? Because I'm looking at, you know, I'm looking at quarterback under pressure throws uh, from when I saw how bad golf was, but uh, Brock Purdy second in the league in quarterback rating, 11 touchdowns, four picks among any quarterback with 50 dropbacks when under pressure. But a lot of that is getting the ball out quick there. You know, Shanahan and Mike McDaniel aren't dummies. You talk about two of the best schemes in football. Yeah. That defender might be coming in, you know, coming in his fit, you know, coming and getting them, but uh, the ball's out and, you know, it's a design short game or a bubble screen or, or something like that. So, the co- the coverage stacks right here the the drop back and throw situations right the third and twelves the third and eights um, those are the difference the differences there uh, I'll give you this one because it might not be the most aesthetically pleasing game I know we got to start closing out here but uh, two more things I want to talk about and one of them is I'll give you this one Nick the NFC South and I know Chief loves a good NFC South game oh, Tampa God. Bay and New Orleans S- suddenly a huge game right. And if you if you win the NFC South this year, you're still a mediocre team, maybe <laughs> maybe below average, and you get the the best strength of schedule, you know, meaning the best teams. Maybe I phrased that poorly. 
So do you really win? Do you what do you really win if you win the NFC South? But anyway, pretty big game. Dallas, right? Right, Chief? Listen, <laughs> I if if Dallas has to go play play Tampa Bay, I'm not taking Dallas in that game. I, I'm telling you because they gotta go to Tampa Bay and figure out and, and Dallas just says, say what you want. They've been this they've been so bad on the road this year. Like so bad. Like nothing like being at home. Once again, we crucified Jared Goff for when he was on the road. Dak's not played well, or the team hasn't played well. And as such, Dak hasn't played well on the road. I, I'm t- like, b- because I think Dallas is still going to be favored if they have to go to Tampa Bay. I think that's the case. Like, they'll probably be favored by three, three to five. Half. Yeah. Yeah. Three to five. And I'm just telling you, like, I. <laughs> I, I'm, not, I'm not taking Dallas on the road their first playoff game. I, I don't care who it is. I don't care if they were playing the Falcons. I wouldn't take them on the road. And I'd live with the result because you're going to get Tampa Bay at plus money in this situation. Yeah. But anyway, so, Justin, you're asking me on the spread not to get off track. I know it, it's – I mean, just not trying to keep me and Chief on, on track and keep us under time. <laughs> I mean, I know you followed Tampa Bay uh, pretty closely the last couple of seasons. Maybe not so much, you know, as he did, you know, during the Brady era. But – Pretty big game, two and a half point spread. I mean, God, it's just been. I think the Saints have been dealing with so much turmoil. You know, there's been rumors of you know why are they actually sticking with Der- with uh, Derek Carr? They've had so many injuries, right? I mean, death taxes and Michael Thomas getting hurt. I mean, yeah. even it was great, yeah, you know, great in his prime, but it's it's over. Alvin Kamara slowing down a little bit. Chris Olave has the drop seems every other game. Um, but on the flip side, it seems like Tampa Bay and Baker Mayfield have some mutual interest. And I, I wasn't really expecting to hear that conversation. <laughs> I really didn't. Um, I don't know if any of us can sit here and say, yeah, like they should, you know, it's the guy for anybody. But thoughts on this game, maybe for the division, maybe. Yeah, I, I think this is, I'm actually going to upload this to SAO so everybody gets a free pick if, if they listen to this show. This is an absolute slam dunk on the Buccaneers. In my mind, you look at their DVOA the last four weeks, so week 13 to 16, Tampa's sixth best in the entire NFL, and DVOA is weighted. So, I mean, people, some people look at the schedule and say, oh, well, they haven't really beat great teams. It doesn't matter. They Like we just mentioned earlier in the show about them going to beat Jacksonville 30 to 12. They beat Green Bay in Green Bay, not, not an easy place to play no matter how talented of a football team you are. They beat them by two touchdowns. They beat Atlanta. They beat Carolina. They beat the teams that they're supposed to beat, and they beat some of these teams by wide margins. New Orleans, it happens every year. Somehow, leadership, the front office, they convince all these aging veterans to restructure deals, take deferred money, which has been going on forever. Otani wasn't the first one to do it in any of the professional sports. New Orleans has been doing this, borrowing against future money year after year after year. What they've been able to do is keep big names on the defensive side of the ball, the Marshawn Lattimore's, the Cameron Jordans, guys like that. But they they have no money available to go get depth pieces. So when you have guys like Marshawn Lattimore on IR, when you start losing linebackers and cornerbacks, injuries that other teams might be able to withstand without completely losing the trajectory of their season, New Orleans has no chance. And especially when you have a guy like Derek Carr as your quarterback, it, it just is what it is at this point. Baker Mayfield, I think, has his flaws. I, you know, I saw him playing Cleveland for the first X amount of years of his career, and he had some really high highs. He had some really low lows. I've always thought Baker was better than the way it ended in Cleveland. I thought he wasn't healthy the last couple of years. I didn't think he had institutional support. 
it's it's been nice to see him have Mike Evans and you know some actual weapons in Tampa. But I think more than anything, the the defense it favors Tampa in this situation. The offense it favors Tampa. And if you go look at you you know what these two teams have done as of late, I just don't think there's there's really anything that you can point to in this spot and say you know what the New Orleans Saints are the better team. I, I just don't even even on special teams, uh, Tampa Bay. I'm looking at them for the season right now. They are neck and neck with New Orleans. So even if you call that a wash, I think Tampa's got the other two areas of this game on their side. They're at home. They're two and a half point favorite on FanDuel right now. I just, I, I think that's a slam dunk. I, I don't, if Tampa doesn't win, I'll eat my money and I'll, and I'll live with the results. Love it. Love it. Um, you know, sometimes we dig into a little bit of a DFS look ahead, but since we got the commission who's so sharp uh, on the betting streets, you know, we're looking at some of these games that are coming up. Uh, lastly, the one one other one that's catching my attention here, Chief, and if, if you want to piggyback anything in that NFC South game, go ahead. But I kind of think Cincinnati getting seven against Kansas City is a gift at this point. Like, I know it's Browning. I know we've seen some volatility, but the Chiefs haven't really shown me, like, that they're going to blow the Bengals out of the water here. I, I don't know. Maybe it feels a little trappy. I have to look more into it. But, you know, Jamar Chase is questionable. Maybe he plays. I don't know. Chase Brown kind of giving another element uh, to that offense. I, I kind of think seven points is a gift, uh, even though it's at Arrowhead. I mean, like Kansas City has had their chances to have their get right spots. It's kind of like in Philly. And we spent no time talking Philly on this podcast because we've talked about them so many other times and they kind of are who they are. But oh, we just haven't got it together yet. Haven't played four quarters. You know, we got we'll figure it out. Well, you know, we're in week 16. You're not going to figure it out. You're, you're not going to you are who you are at this point. Um, I think the Bengals getting seven is really interesting. If you give me seven and a half, like that might be a two-unit bet for me. Listen, this might be the biggest no-faith league matchup of the week. Like, I think when we, as an example, I think when we look at the 49ers, I think they're going to beat the Commanders this week, no problem. Um, You know, I think the Rams beat the Giants. You know, like, I think the teams that should win, like, I think the Bills should beat the Patriots this week for what it's worth. Um, you know, Dolphins Ravens is like a big one, but I, I think the Ravens win. No, no bigger, no faith league matchup this week than Bengals Chiefs. I don't know who's going to win this game. It could easily be the Bengals. Like, if they just get it together this week with all of the Chiefs' woes, they could win. And the Bengals could absolutely just flop this week as well. And Patrick Mahomes, they could get back. I don't know. Like, I this is probably a stay away game for me in terms of anything outside of second half stuff like that's what i like to do with some of these games i'll just stay away and then start getting in second half once i see the flow of the game and kind of how things are going um if you if you told me ask me to pick straight up right now i, I think i take the Bengals because i feel like they have more talent but in, in my heart it's the hardest patch of my home is patch for homes and they probably win i don't know i mean george pickens anomaly week i don't know it was just DJ Reader got hurt, so I know that's not good for Cincy's defense either, but I just think in this game full of two teams that are, I don't know. It's so strange to sit here in December saying that the Chiefs aren't Super Bowl contenders. I mean, are they? They're they're kind of like a tier two team. I mean, Nick said there's no tier one team, so clearly he thinks nobody's going to win the Super Bowl, but uh, I don't know, man. I mean, obviously the Bengals have issues, but this is a, an interesting game, I think. I think DJ uh, Reader's a huge loss, personally. I, you know, I, they gave up yeah. what was 100 in 132 yards on the ground to Ty Chandler after they lost Reader. 
They gave up over 100 to, to Pittsburgh last week. And I know I know the yards per carry wasn't outstanding, but when you run the ball 30 times and the game, the game script is what it is, sometimes you're going to run the ball into the line and uh, your efficiency is going to suffer. I get it, though. I mean, you look at the last four weeks, Cincinnati's actually better than KC by DVOA, uh, which, again, is a weighted metric. So I think for one team to be favored by seven, it's interesting. I, I, I had similar feelings when I looked at Las Vegas plus 11, and I know historically it's not profitable at all to take teams after they win by 42 points and then they go on the road. But KC is just so overvalued right now. And I think as much as people like to say that betting lines are objectively set every single week, you can't give a, you, you can't price Cincinnati as a five point favorite or a four point favorite against the Bengals because hundred percent of the money is going to be on the chiefs. So you have to extend this line out a little bit. And I think it's a situation where like, the chiefs are just not built to, to blow out anybody. And I said this in my write-up on the Raiders plus 11 over the weekend, and I took a bunch of money line bets on them throughout the game as well. They're not built to come from behind. So if Patrick Mahomes throws a pick six, if you have pick six, if you have some bad turnover luck, Casey's not winning that game by seven points. They're, they're content winning by three because that's all they need to do because they're in desperation mode right now. So I think it's, it's, it's a stay away spot for me right now. I definitely, I would lean chiefs on the money line. I think, Jake Browning is a step below Joe Burrow, no doubt about it. Uh, you know, missing Jamar Chase is big. Joe Mixon is a shell of his former sub. Like, there's a lot of reasons to not like Cincinnati as well. And if there is one defense that's going to give it up to 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 a struggling Mahomes and the KC offense, it's the Bengals because I'll tell you what, Mason Rudolph just went and put up 34 points. And I know George Pickens outlier week, but are we going to get you know an outlier week? Is Travis Kelsey all of a sudden going to look like first half of the season? Travis Kelsey. Not because he all of a sudden got a lot better or he's moving better, but just because since he can't tackle, they can't communicate, stuff like that. So that's probably a stay away spot for me. But I, I do think the Chiefs are probably a safe pick on the money line. You're just not getting value if you include them in a parlay or anything like that. I know we got to start closing out, but uh, Chief, you got anything for story time this week? Listen, man, I, I, I've always got some story time. And so – uh, for for this story time, uh, I'm going to kind of bring you to my home to me and some of my wife's uh, interesting humor. I'm gonna, and I, you'll know why I say interesting uh, in a second. So I have this thing, or we have this thing where sometimes if we interact with each other, um, we'll take you know a, a phrase and make it literal and try to keep a straight face, and then we'll laugh with each other in the end. I'll give you an example. So. My wife will say, hey, you know, I just picked the car up or we'll be on the phone or, you know, she'll come home and say, hey, you know, I picked the car up from getting the oil change around three o'clock today. And I'll say something like, oh, so, you know, when did you start going to the gym working out? You know, like, how can you lift a car? Because she said she picked it up. You get what I'm saying? Like that, that little type of humor. Yeah, corny, I know, but it's our thing. So this morning uh, or this afternoon, rather. I was getting some tea out of the refrigerator. So we went to uh, my nephew's house yesterday for a Christmas dinner. They just like kind of finished renovating their home. So we went there and of course it was so much stuff. So they're like, no, we can't keep all this stuff. You guys got to take some. So we took like a jug of tea that was like from the grocery store, a local company here or a company called Milo, uh, Milo tea or whatever. So we brought that back home and I poured some tea into the cup. And I said, oh, I said, did they, uh, I said, um, they made this tea. I was like, this is a soft tea. I was like, man, it's like, 
the, the it was real smooth. It's like a smooth tea, and I called it soft. And uh, I said, I wonder uh, how they made this or whatever. And she said, oh, no, they didn't make it. They bought it. <laughs> Listen, corny, I know. But what happened was it went over my head temporarily. So I didn't get it at first. So I was like, well, what I really meant was how the company made it. And then she started laughing. And I said, you got me. Oh, you got me. Anyway, I, listen. I so know you're, a bit, you're a big dad joke. Everybody. You're a big dad joke guy too. I'm assuming then. Yeah, I like I like dad jokes. I know. I know it's not. But listen, it was like we were just in here like chuckling away, like tear laughter. She got me really good today. So that's, send my, your, that's my story time. Send your best dad jokes to Chief Justice 06 on Twitter. I want to see him and uh, <laughs> have a good laugh. Kamish, where can the people find you on Twitter? Thanks so much for joining us today. Yeah, absolutely. Anytime, guys. Uh, at Kamish Film Room on Twitter. Uh, it's been fun, man. I, I do free content for RG every single day. So if you like player props, NFL, we've been on a ridiculous primetime run hitting like 65% over a hundred pick span. NBA was good to us again uh, on NBA. So th there'll be stuff there every single day. If, if that's what you're interested in. Awesome stuff. Happy new year, everybody. We'll have to talk some uh, new year's resolutions uh, next week. Thanks for sticking with us. Another another year, another season. We should be with you all throughout the playoffs. So uh, we'll get back to you on that. But we have at least a couple of more regular season weeks to cover, and uh, it's gonna be it's gonna be a lot of drama. The NFL is getting what they wanted with this with this playoff chase this year, Chief. Close us out of here, Will. Close us out. Well, folks, listen. So glad you could join us, and uh, super grateful for coming on. I hope you guys had a merry Christmas. And uh, we won't see you before the new year. So happy new year to you and your family. I'm Chief. That's Luke. Special guest, my good friend, Nick, a.k.a. Commission Film Room. And uh, we'll see you guys next week.